feel more fully alive through embracing the whole spectrum of what life includes, which is death, you know, (laughs) as part of it. Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of La Bifana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory. And today I'm joined by the wonderful Jen Violi, who you might remember from episode 15. Jen Violi is a writer, mentor, and facilitator of elemental writing courses. She is the author of the novel Putting Makeup on Dead People, a finalist for the Oregon Book Award, as well as numerous published essays, short stories, prose, poems, and other form-defying feats of word magic. And in today's episode, we're in conversation about a six-month adventure that she has coming up into the heart of fall and winter and all that is revealed in falling apart. So let's get ready to decompose with Jen Violi. How are you? What's up? What's feeling fresh and alive? Well, I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me back at this table. It feels good to be in your presence and with the spirit of La Bafana. I don't know. I mean, where I am today, like I just actually wrote a little something because I really felt the grief wave come up heavy this morning, like intense and was just kind of reflecting like it's sort of this time of year. I think it's 35 years since my dad died next week. And, you know, that was like my big initiatory experience into grief and loss and, you know, what all of that means. So I was just kind of mindful of that this morning. Like, it just really feels like we're in that seasonal shift, like that summer is really giving way. So I'm feeling myself in that dried out, exhausted, restless, a little like, you know, uncomfortable in my skin. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is when you say what's feeling alive or fresh right now, like what's feeling alive for me is death. (laughs) Mm. I love actually being able to say that. What's feeling alive for me is death. We like live in such a culture that is like, so does not want to make death part of life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, ixnay on the real part of life that actually we all have in common. <laughs> like, that's the only thing we have certain. I think like pretty much we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what happens after? What's the purpose while we're here? Maybe we all have like multitudes of perspectives on that. But that is like the common theme of our humanity. Well, and I love like all the different ways that you could say that, you know, like we're all or, you know, we're all going to die. Like it can be reassuring. It can be terrifying. It can be reverential. I don't know, like all the things, like it just struck me when you said that, you know, there are so many different ways that people say it and approach it. And, you know, yeah. And I'm glad we can get here too. I've often joked with some of my friends around death of being like, 
I really want to have a death party, but just going like, can we face the music in terms of that? This is like a finite thing. Can we do the things? Cause there's things that one has to do to prepare for those things in real life. I'm dealing with elderly parents that like have put all of this off. You know, my dad's like, Oh, just throw me in the river. Like that was like, I was like, dad, I can't do that. <laughs> That's not legal. I can't just throw you in the river, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but you're, you know, you're taking on what's feeling alive for you is death in the symbolic, in the metaphoric, in, in all of it. And you're, you're moving us into a journey starting in September. And tell me why the time for you to decompose and, and what does that mean as a writer, as a human, as a person who is exploring life through words and elements? Yeah. I mean, so, so the journey for elemental writing has kind of been, you know, I've been doing this for a year and a half, maybe now. And, you know, I went through maybe four of the standard elements, like I went through water, earth, air and fire. And I knew that I wanted these courses to go beyond that and into other ways of interacting with the elements, all of the elements. Mm. And just did some deep listening about what what would it be that's calling me next. And I knew in one sense that it was going to be something longer because these other courses have been six weeks and this yeah. one is going to be six months. So yeah. it's really, it's a fuller journey. And I just really thought about the, I don't know, I'm drawn to that idea of like sinking in with people mm. for a longer time and just really like being able to go deeper with all of the themes. Yeah. And you know, when I listened to like what wanted to come through at first, I thought was thinking something to do with night. I'm like, no, that's not exactly it. And then I did one of my favorite writing exercises, which is when I'm looking for a title or looking for the heart of something, I just make myself list at least 20 ways that it could go. So, you know, elemental writing this, elemental writing that, elemental writing that, you know, like I just made myself a list. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this isn't about night. This is about death. And then I got through that some more and went to, this is actually about like falling apart the word that came was decompose. So elemental writing decompose, which I love on a million different levels. One of which as a writer, we, you know, I, we compose things. That's what we focus on most of the time is making things. But this course is about unmaking things. And that really excites me to say like, what if we do this in the other direction? And what if we explore a different, a different approach, like a different way to get at the wholeness of the creative experience? And then what is the first step of that, right? Of, of going, I mean, is it just holding the quick, holding these questions? I feel like I said something somewhere. I was writing something about like, this is going to be a lot like a game of strip poker, except <laughs> you like, <laughs> you're going to lose if you have the most things off <laughs> instead. Like that's when you thrive, when you take the most things off. So, mm. you know, I, I am going to that and So yes, a lot of it is about holding those questions and, you know, wrestling with them, being with them, excavating, like digging for some stuff. So I think to show up in that space, like, I don't know if part of what you're asking is maybe how do you get to that place or how are you ready for it? Or, you know, how do you prepare? And I think it's just, I'm saying a lot in, 
the materials I'm sharing about this, like while I'm spreading the word about it, saying this adventure isn't for everyone. You'll know in your bones if it's for you. And I think it's the readiness is something that you know. And I don't know, you know, like some of it is I'm going to be 50 and I'm turning 50 in a couple of months. And I really feel like I'm, and maybe we've talked about this a little bit before, like just getting to the crown place, like the La Bifana place. Yeah. Feeling that like, I am not going to be who I have been these years. And I I couldn't if I tried. And I'm going to stop trying to be this, that, or the other thing to please other people, to meet expectations, even my internal expectations to just be like, what is the essence of me? I am ready Mm. for it. I'm ready to like drop this bullshit and that bullshit and all the bullshit. Mm. Mm. So I think that's, you know, that's the crux of it. People will know if this journey is for them, if they're ready in that place. Mm -hmm. Some of the questions that, you know, I mean, I've just like been, I'm always taken by questions, you know, like I have guiding questions for this podcast that are just kind of in the air that I feel like every time I have a conversation, I'm stepping closer into like the table itself becoming that answer. But, you know, just some of these, like, how have we already been undone? And how do we live with that? What are the gifts of being undone of decomposing? This one I I really loved. What can discombobulation teach us, not just about editing, but also starting fresh? Is starting fresh an illusion? (laughs) Well, and how much too do we really like not have to throw away the stuff from the past, but how is it composting? Like, how is it actually continuing to be a part of us in a new way? Not that there can't be new growth, but you know. I think that's an important question to ask because I think there's a lot of talk, right? And letting go. And you're like, well, I I can't let go. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people struggle with with letting go when there are things that have been a part of their lives, right? Because every experience we've had has formed us or shaped us where I think you're giving a, a kind of new perspective. Here is like the composting of these experiences or these things that are not part of us anymore because we're we're dying becoming new dying again but we can like put them that they can become something else and be brought forth in a new way yeah so this is a six month a six month journey that I'm I'm asking you to kind of talk about in a podcast in <laughs> less than an hour you know like so we're on this journey and in month one, like what's the roadmap that you've laid out for everyone? So each month has a different focus or theme based on different aspects of decay or death. And so mm-hmm. it's always going to be elemental writing because it's connected to the animate earth, not just like, oh, we're going to explore this intellectually. It's going to be an embodied experience. The first month is falling apart. So we're literally going to look at atrophy of a body, you know, morbidity, you know, like disease and how that can be a doorway. You know, the, the cool things that happen when you let a piece of writing fall apart. Like, I don't know if you remember in school, what's it called? Diagramming sentences. Oh, Jesus, know? I do. I have a, a terrible, frightening memory of it, but yes. <laughs> So this is going to be like the fun version of that and not even like a sentence, but a whole piece of work to let it fall apart and say, okay, what are all of the pieces that are here? 
And what's the skeleton of this? And how, you know, what do I take with me or what don't I want to take with me? And, you know, we're going to get into voice too. And, you know, the way that I'm phrasing it here is the illusion of composure. So, you know, I think so many of us feel like we have to hold it together for one reason or another. And maybe women in particular have that feeling. And how is that really just a cover up? How is composure a cover up of what's really happening? (laughs) you know, of what we really are and what we really want to say and how do we get at what we really want to say and how do we get at voice? And, you know, for the however long I've been doing this, 20 years longer, I mean, facilitating, like I've taught a bunch of classes on finding your voice. And I think that's, it's going to be applicable here for some of the stuff and in through a different lens of me, you know, at almost 50 versus, you know, me at 30 teaching a class, finding your voice. Isn't that fascinating? I think there's a lot of things that we think in life are one-time things. I found my voice. Yeah. And now she found it. And <laughs> wow, do 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 she's found her voice. And then it's and like, I'm done. And it's over, right? And I don't think we, you know, okay, what is, you find your voice at 18. What is that? You, yes. You find it, but then you, life smacks you in the face and <laughs> shits all over you. what's the voice that comes out of that you know and the multitudes of ways that our voice deepens that our voice becomes more I wouldn't even say I think it's would you say one's voice is always their own like as you have grown you're coming to your towards your 50th like can you tell me a little bit more finding your voice at different stages and like in this place now where you're going into this you know this decom this decomposing journey. Yeah. I mean, well, it sounds like there's a couple different questions there. So one is, you know, like how does the voice evolve or can it evolve? The other is, is your voice your own? And, Mm. you know, you just asked, which I thought is, oh, that's such a great question, especially for elemental writing. So the first one is, for me, I feel like a different kind of level of ferocity and honesty has Mm. emerged where I would hold back before to be polite or to be (laughs) nice or, and you know, it's all linked with death too. Like it's very interesting to be in the world without both of my parents. And, you know, my dad died, as I said, a long time ago, my mom died just, you know, like in 2019. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting, the layers of that, that I realized how to a certain extent I would hold back because I didn't want to upset her. And sometimes I upset her anyway (laughs) and didn't hold back. You know what I mean? But it's a whole different bag of tricks, ball of wax, whatever, bucket of compost for here. So it's been interesting to see that evolve and feel that evolve. And the other piece, like that other question you asked about, like, is your voice your own? What's coming and becoming more true for me is it's not. There's a myth of us as isolated and separate. And at the heart of elemental writing is remembering that, you know, like I am one voice amidst a chorus of all of these animate voices. And I am part of a much greater whole. So sure, my voice is like, quote, unquote, my own, you know, the unique expression of me, my unique cry, call, sound, howl, whatever in this world. But it's also I can't separate it from everything else. I can't separate it from my ancestors. I can't separate it from dead people or dead plants or, you know, toxic water. 
I can't separate Mm. it from, you know, the shitty air that comes because we've fucked our forests (laughs) and that so many of us are living through these like air quality warnings now and it's not going away. So like my, all I'm saying is my voice, it's, it's connected to all of that literally and figuratively, like literally my voice gets scratchy, you know, when days like that air quality are happening, I could get into that metaphorically too. How being with the reality of that and remembering my belonging to that and my part of that has made me scratchier. Wow. <laughs> Let me just like dump all of this on the table. <laughs> yeah, dump it. Hold on. Like there's a, it's lovely. It's ancient. It's timeless and it's got a lot of space. So just dump all. <laughs> just like we got it. We got the space for that. <laughs> Thank you, Lava <laughs> You're welcome, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned, so in the first month, where did I find it? You were actually talking about like funeral rites and talk to me about those, those metaphors and how you're bringing them to life. Sure. So yeah, they're like breathing metaphors. So the funeral rites and stuff, that's going to happen in month four. And the title of that month is mourning. And the way that we're going to get into that is literally we will get into funeral rites, ancient and modern, but also into like what that has to do with writing, you know? So the ways that I am exploring that is, you know, so what are final chapters about, you know, and what is a sacred pause about in prose? Because you could kind of think of a memorial or a funeral or something as a really significant pause. So how do we translate that into writing and how, how necessary is that? And then the other piece of that is of that month is, you know, I'm bringing in some mythology, like the story of Demeter and Balbo. And so Demeter, the mother of Persephone, who was kidnapped, brought to the underworld, ended up becoming half goddess of springtime, half queen of the underworld. And in the whole time that she's missing before her mother knows where she is, she's grieving. And that's the mythology of why we have fall and winter, you know, because this harvest goddess, you know, like everything's falling apart and she just lets it all die. And she's miserable and wandering the earth, like tear soaked, wailing, grieving her lost daughter. And as part of that journey, she meets this other goddess that we don't hear about as often called Baobo. And from where I understand it, this goddess is basically a belly. You know, <laughs> like she's got, like she, she's not like a typical human form. Okay. So there's something about the profane that's really connected with this goddess. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite stories about her is from Clarissa Pinkola Estes's book, I love her. Run with the Wolves. And so she talks about how Balbo shows up and starts to tell jokes to them. <laughs> and Demeter finally you know, laughs because they're like these dirty jokes too, you know, inappropriate, whatever. Yeah. So for me, that links to how in grieving laughter and tears are so tightly linked. And also in writing, it's called comic relief for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and and how comedy and tragedy link and how can we play with those in what we're writing? And yeah, so... Those are some of the things that are connected with that. And that month, what I'm super excited about is we are going to actually do a funeral for the writers we were. Mm. So ritual is part of this course too. So we'll get to 
have a little funeral for ourselves. A necessary rite of passage to to say goodbye to one chapter and like let and, and move on to the next. And that, you know, we don't have those things, whether we consider ourselves or writers or or not. You know what I mean? Like I, I really want to presence the fact that I think so many people would benefit from this journey with you that are not that may not even own the title writer. Yes. And which is often actually a part of people that I think is one of those things that needs to die. That's a skin to shed because so many people write, but are afraid to call themselves writer or feel like they're not allowed to call themselves writer or they're not good enough or they haven't published this or they haven't done that. And so that is definitely something that we can put to rest Mm -hmm. (laughs) with this. So Mm -hmm. if you write, if you love words, if this all calls to you and you're ready to let go of that, not being allowed to call yourself a writer. This is definitely a journey for you too. And now I, I, I definitely skipped around your months, you know, so you, you kind of took us, I went right to month four, but we talked a little bit about composting. Tell me more about that. So we'll literally look at compost and how that works and the kinds of creatures that live in compost. Mm. And I think it's really interesting to play with the word there too, that it's a turning and a return, like you, how you turn the compost, right? Yes. Yes. And it's a return to the earth. So mm. there is an element of like returning to the essential nature or the nurturing nature of something that I think compost points us to where, you know, we can look at, we can look at plot through that. You know, when we let something sort of fall apart and see all of the pieces that are there, mm. how can we rearrange them then? Because sometimes that's the best way to figure out a plot or figure out a narrative arc if you're working on nonfiction, creative nonfiction or whatever. And how do you put together new forms? Like how do you play with hybrid forms or kind of made up forms? <laughs> you know, how do you play with speculative elements? And all of that kind of stuff. So that's going to be some of the stuff that we play with that one with compost. And then you're, you're bringing us towards month six, going to seed. So is this, tell me more here. Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of tapping into that a little bit, how when plants die and go to seed, I'm kind of captivated by that phrase. And by that actuality, how that happens, like how watching it happens, you know, like last year. So it grew through the winter and through the spring and it just got really shaggy and awful, you know, early in the summer. And I just let it because you have to let it start to get brown before you can take all the seed pods off of it. And the seed pods were super interesting because it just like shoots up out of the plant that it was. And then these pods almost look like beans, like very thin beans, like, and then they dry out and they're like paper thin. And then the kale seeds are these tiny, tiny seeds, you know, within the pods. And then you plant them and something new can grow from that. So it's simple, but profound. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the gifts of regeneration? you know, that kind of, and that part of the cycle for us as writers. How do we harvest seeds of stories? How do we reinvent ourselves? Because what's interesting, so I've been teaching this elemental writing bearing fruit class this summer, and we got deeply into a different fruit each week. And one of the weeks was cherries. 
And what was so interesting for me is with cherry pits, they don't grow true to seed is what, what it's called. Like it will always be a different variety than oh, okay. parent tree was. So getting into stuff like that is so interesting. Even when we take those story seeds, like, do we have to be attached to the story that came before? Ooh, you know, or do we get to be something entirely new or, you know, different layers of that? Because not everything's like a cherry. Some things do grow true to, true to seed, but they're still different. And what does that mean? So, yeah, that's some of the stuff that we'll get into in month six. When I mentor writers privately, I always start with a story time consultation is what I call it. And there are a whole bunch of questions that I ask people to fill out and then we talk about it all and get into it. But one of the questions is, as a writer, what season are you in? Mm. And I love, you know, reading the answers to those questions and digging into that with each individual. And, you know, I think it's just so important for those questions to be asked and for the space that a question like that opens for the answer to come from inside instead of saying like, oh, you're at this place. Here you are. I'm going to like stick you in a slot. Instead, you know, you self-select, you know, <laughs> because it's what's happening within you. Is my body like aching to rest right now? Do I feel that like spark or itch or whatever it is that's springtime? Am I ready yeah. to like, you know, just make a whole bunch of new shit? But if you're not even asked that question, like just the space of, oh, I'm allowed to sit with that question. <laughs> And I'm allowed to give space for that answer to arise within me. Yeah. You know, I think those are some of the gifts that <laughs> the gifts that you are you are offering with this. For you as I mean, obviously you're the facilitator, but you're also having a transformative experience of your own. Yeah. So what are you bringing in as your own intentions for for yourself personally? Yeah, I mean, I think really the course description are my intentions because I go back to the thing of, you know, we teach what we most need to learn mm. or we what we most need to receive. And this is where I am right now. So like my intention is to get as deep as everybody else. And it's, yeah. you know, obviously as a facilitator, it's on a little bit of a off cycle because I'm preparing for each of these months and introducing them and, you know, sharing the lesson and and, you know, setting the space for when we write together, because we'll have a couple of times a month where we do a good chunk of just like writing and sharing time and ritual together. But I get in there too. Unless I really have to attend to something when I'm facilitating, I write with everybody. Now I want to be, be in that zone. And it's important for me to have an embodied experience of it too, because otherwise it would just be like me not doing what I say this is all about, like not living it in my own body. And that's important to me. Like it's an integrity piece. It's a wholeness piece. It's just, you know, like what feels good and true. As I see this course, it's, there's a lot because I'm really facing that right now in my life. Like the decay, like I'm, I'm watching my parents decay, you yeah. know, and that's a, whew, it's real. You know what I mean? There's, there's this sense of, and I'm seeing more so in my mom than my, my dad, that when you don't go through these processes in the metaphorical sense throughout your life and allowing 
these these multitudes of, of, of deaths and getting to the essence, how difficult it can be when you're when you're actually facing the real thing. Yeah. When the real thing is there. And so it's like it's, you know, I saw this, I was like, whoo, this is some <laughs> this is some real deal stuff. <laughs> that you're dealing with here because those initiations are are real you know you you're you're talking about like the loss of your father 35 years ago but yet you still hold the seat of that initiation through it seems like every initiation that you have been through since yeah absolutely and many of us do right and i and the the multitudes of these types of initiations whether they're i think writing focused or spiritually focused. I, I, I find this is why I love the writing and the spirituality and all of that goes so hand in hand. Like it's such a, such a tool for excavation, you know, like, as you're saying, like stripping away, what's, what is the thing? Like what's, what's under there when you compost it all? I mean, that's, that's real magic. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Well, yeah. And it's, it's magic and it's enlivening. Like some, for some reason, while you were just talking there, I was thinking of one of my favorite moments in a movie is, you know, I love the movie Chocolat. Oh my God. So good. And there's that moment where Judy Dench's character is with her grandson, who she hasn't been able to spend time with. And, you know, she's like, I have a gift for you that I've been holding, you know, holding for some time. And, you know, she pulls it out and it's a book of poetry and his face is kind of like, mm, <laughs> you know, at first. And she's like, it's not that kind of poetry. And then, you know, like it gets into all of this like ghoulish. It's probably really like gothic horror poetry, really, you know, as she's sharing some of the things with him. And he is just like lit up, you know, because he's a kid who's who's aware of that and engaged with that already. He's like drawing dead birds and really fascinated by that. And that's part of what brings him alive. And somebody recognizes it and is like, yeah, we're going to have a great time with this. Mm. And I do not mean in any way to be like, it's all fun and games and, (laughs) you know, whatever, because I have been on the floor sobbing enough to know that it's not fun and games and felt like, Mm devastated by various losses, not just death of people, but like death of what my body used to be, death of Mm. relationships, you know, all of these things. And so there is struggle and pain as part of it, but it also is like, it's full of life. It's fun. It's fascinating. And it's just like, I don't know, there's something about it that feels really good to me. It's like getting your hands dirty in the garden. You know, there's you know, to be offering a journey such as this of like, of something that just is, is I don't know, it brings it brings to the sense right to the surface, the essence of, of what it of what it's all about. I, I mean, I love when I first read this part of I, I'm not interested in good writing, I long to write that which is true, even if it's messy. Can you talk a little bit more of like, messy, you know, what, you know, I think so many want to be neat and what is the invitation to messiness and what are the gifts that you perceive there to be in it? Yeah. Well, so, so many gifts because messiness is reality and there's just a different resonance to reality than when you're writing something that isn't true. And 
you know, there's a part, there's parts that I'm working on in my memoir right now that is like work in progress where, you know, I'm trying to go through a difficult memory of fighting with my mom and, you know, letting myself say, maybe it was about this, or maybe it was about this, or maybe it was about this. And let, let myself say all of the things like, Mm. maybe I was an asshole. Mm. Maybe she was an asshole, like to like, oh my God, you know, like let myself say that. Or maybe it's neither of those things. And maybe it's this like third mysterious thing. And maybe, you know, the other things that happened around this argument, maybe there are other factors that go into it too. Like maybe it has something to do with her childhood and maybe it has something to do with, you know, cultural context and whatever. But letting myself do that, because there's a version, you know, there's a way that I think we want to write about things sometimes Mm -hmm. or that I want to write about things sometimes where I'm like, I am just going to clean this shit up. Like I am going to get this out because like, I felt like I was wronged and I'm (laughs) pissed about it. And I am going to tell you this story. So it's clear that I was in the right and she was (laughs) wrong. And that's like not true. No, it's not allowing it to be messier than that. And sometimes when it's messier than that, like even talking about it right now, like I just feel all the feelings come up. Like there is like some deep sadness, there's anger, there's like disappointment in her, disappointment in myself. There's, you know, like regret, there's like longing and yeah, all the things. And I, you know, what's the benefit of that? I mean, God, I just think it's just what makes better writing and what allows humanity. Like, so I've been part of so many experiences where I'm the first one to cry or somebody's the first one to cry or like say something, whatever. And it like cracks open a portal in that group experience, retreat, workshop, you know, whatever, hanging out with friends, it cracks open a portal and everybody else is like, I can walk through there. Yes. And then they do. Yes. And it is magic. And it's magic because it's real. That's the cool part of giving space for people to read their work out loud, you know, Mm -hmm. which will definitely be part of this experience because when people share that, it can spark something for someone else. Or it's amazing how you can introduce, I can introduce one writing prompt and then 10 different people do it in 10 different ways. And how all of those ways enrich each of us. Some of it I don't see. I will never see because it's people, it's very, it's private, it's intimate. It's like, what is somebody, how does somebody's words land in my body? I mean, sometimes I feel lucky, blessed, honored if people choose to speak that out loud and say, this moved me in this way. And definitely in these other elemental writing experiences, somebody will have an insight about one of the themes or one of the things that we're digging into and just share it. And, you know, I see somebody else light up or I see a new friendship sort of form or like, oh, we've got to exchange information or, you know, or in the next thing that we do, I see somebody else feel more free or seem more free to express themselves. Hmm. Maybe because of the thing that happened in the last session or whatever. So yeah, I think there's a lot of magical intersections and echoes and 
things that happen between the people that participate and just kind of trusting that the people who need to participate will be there Mm -hmm. and be what each other needs somehow. What is it that you hope to gain or that you hope the people who are joining you that they, you know, that something, some way of being, some way of doing something or having something in life, what would you say that might be? I mean, I think the, like underneath anything else that might come up as an answer to that question is to feel more fully alive through embracing the whole spectrum of what life includes, which is death, you know, (laughs) as part of it. So that is one piece. And for writing as an act to feel more fully alive as a result of all of this, and for the content, the writing itself to feel more fully alive. You know, that there's a different, like a kind of like a breakthrough where people who participate, including me, where all of us just feel more free to let loose and be and be us, you know, be the essence of us and not shy away from what's gritty or messy or complicated, but to revel in the mess. Like, that's kind of what I want for people, you know, by the end of this, what I hope will happen. And, you know, there's all kinds of other stuff too. Like you can say, yes, like you're going to have a ton. People will have a ton of tools at the end of this. We are going to have so many cool like rituals and activities and processes and ways to approach writing resources, like fun things to read, writing prompts, you know, like all of that stuff is true too. And in terms of a toolkit that, for yeah. life. Yes. And but, underneath it all is all that other stuff that I just said. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, you know, take forward, go forth and, <laughs> you know, go be a messy, alive, alive human, you know, through your writing and through your way of being that writing creates for you. You know, that's obviously a tool that anyone can, can use to develop deeper intimacy and deeper aliveness and deeper awareness of who they are in relation to their own journey. I think it's, it is beautiful that you've listened to that voice of what's the next thing, you know, and how that's aligning with your, with your 50th, because I just, you know, that at every age and every stage, like there's something new, there's a, a fullness of life that we can experience in different ways. If we allow ourselves to let things die and, and move into these new stages of life. Yeah. Jen, it is fabulous having you. <laughs> oh my God, this has been so good. Like I feel so energized right now. I know, I'm, I'm like- about death for an hour. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I feel like La Bufana would be like very, very happy. I feel held <laughs> by yes. her spirit as well because she's probably seen- all of the life and death and cycles for thousands of years. Anything that you want to leave our guests with or any, how do they join you? Yeah. So we'll have, you'll have, and I'm sure you can include this below, like a link to direct link to my website, to the page that has the course description. And I really make an effort with what I offer so to make it accessible. So there are different tiers of registration available. There's also monthly payments available. You need to register by September 15th because everybody who signs up is getting a care package too. So we that. A little decomposition care package. 
We start on the 21st. That's when everybody will receive their first lesson. And as soon as you sign up, like all the dates are listed. So like I'll share all the dates for all of the, you know, the retreats. There are office hours that we'll have once a month too, where people can just show up and ask questions. And I'll share a link with you too. Like if somebody's not ready for this journey and just wants to sign up to find out about future elemental writing things, they can sign up for that list in particular. I think those are all the details. And I will say this, I'll make a like a special offer to your people. So like if anybody listens to this podcast Mm. and tells me that that's why they signed up or how they signed up, I have this very cool, beautiful ebook that is brand new created called Writing the Moon. And so Mm. it's based on a writing retreat that I offered called Writing the Moon, an elemental writing course. So it's like basically you get this whole retreat in this ebook form and it's beautiful my friend Vanessa did the layout for it. So it's like really pretty and it's just full of prompts and rituals and all of this stuff like to engage in your relationship with the moon as a writer. And so anyway, that would be my gift to anybody who signs up. You heard that all sign up. (laughs) What a pleasure. We'll be seeing you more here. Yeah. I can't wait. Thank you so much. This was a joy. You're welcome. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.